Hey, 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 and welcome back. If you're new to the Try and Stop Me podcast, welcome. Nice to meet you. My name is Colleen. Friends call me Col, so that's what you should call me. We drop a new episode every single Monday to kickstart your week. Here's how it goes. Every other Monday, we have some truly incredible souls on the show from entrepreneurs, business owners, movers, and shakers telling us all about their incredible journeys and the valuable life-changing lessons they've learned along the way. On the off Mondays, it'll just be me and you hanging out for quick episodes about something I've learned in the week, maybe about the past, possibly about the future. Who the heck knows where the topics will take us? The mission is to motivate you, challenge you, inspire you, shake you up, and help you grow. If you haven't, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date for all new episodes and follow us along on the Try and Stop Me Instagram page to see, you know, the behind the scenes craziness that I do every single day. But more importantly, all of the great information about our incredible guests. Now, let's talk about today's episode. If you're an athlete or in any type of industry that involves you selling a service or a product, listen up. This episode is for you. Today, I'm super pumped to bring you a fun, energetic, kick-ass business role model, and overall, just a good human. His name is Andy Neary. Andy's a former professional baseball player. He's now a business coach, a keynote speaker, and the founder of the Complete Game Coaching Program. I met Andy at a conference where he was a keynote speaker and during his talk he called me out of the crowd to throw a ball in front of way too many people. I mean little did he know I was a softball player back in the day with a good enough arm to throw a girl out from center field to home plate so luckily it wasn't too much of an embarrassing moment but after that we became friends and after we met I started following his journey and I just know his message can hit home for so many of us. Andy's going to talk with us today about how he was the stud on his high school baseball team. I mean, guys, he was the go-to guy, hometown, that type of great baseball player, which then led him to be accepted to a D1 college, and then he signed a contract to play professional baseball for the Milwaukee Brewers organization. I mean, this sounds like a path to a dream so many kids grow up thinking that they want to do, but it wasn't all smooth sailing for Andy. High school, he was the star. College, he finally saw real competition. And then pro ball, I mean, if you guys could just picture that, well, that was a whole new level beyond what we could even imagine. New surroundings, bad influence, expectations, and a bad mindset, all of that quickly changed his life. Today, after years of growth and self-discovery, Andy now knows what ended his career wasn't talent, it was mindset. Today, he's top keynote speaker and a leading coach for advisors talking about just that, mindset, and how it affects what you're doing. Andy's mission is to help business professionals build the mindset, habits, and rituals, as he says, off the field that can lead to all-star performances on it. I'm obsessed with what he has going on today because it really fits right into something I think we all have dealt with in our life at some point, a defeating mindset. Listen along as he teaches us how to flip the script into developing what he now calls the major league mindset. Batters up. I mean, that was corny, so let's just get to it. I grew up in a baseball family. My dad was a college baseball player himself. He wasn't like great. He was a good college baseball player, but he was an even better high school baseball coach. He was, man, if I had to, I can't remember, head coach of the high school at the hometown I grew up in, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, 34, 35 years. 
was the head coach there. I played for him. Uh, So I grew up in a household, right, where baseball was kind of life. My mom did a lot of traveling as a baseball mom growing up. And the challenge I had in high school, Colleen, was I knew if I was going to play college baseball, I was going to be a pitcher. I I played pitcher, second base, shortstop in high school, but I knew pitching on the mound was where my next success would occur. But I'm five foot nine. And in high school, I weighed 145 pounds. So that challenge, when you look at what a pitcher looks like today, they're massive. They're 6'3", they're 6'4", they're big, they throw hard. I was none of that. And the first taste I had of like, okay, this is what it means to step up when the moment requires it was my senior year. It was the first round of the playoffs. And going into that game, I had one scholarship offer. I had accepted it. It was to play baseball at Winona State University, which is up in Minnesota, Division II school. But I want to play Division I baseball, right? Well, that night, just so happened, the coaching staff from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee was coming to watch me pitch. And I knew that it can easily get in your head, right? You're like, Mm -hmm. oh boy, they're here to watch me. But what happened was I had one of the best games of my life. I actually threw for the baseball fans and listening, they'll know what I'm talking about. I threw a one hitter. I gave up a hit on the first pitch of the game. And that was the only runner that got on that night. And so later that night, I got a call from the head coach at UWM was offered a scholarship. So I'm here I am playing college baseball at the division one level, right? And so the adrenaline that night. Oh yeah, it was, I remember (laughs) coming home and just, I think I was in my bedroom and my dad, by the way, this is before cell phones, right? Yeah. Um, my dad picked up the phone. Hello. You know, he handed me the phone and he knew what was, he knew exactly where oh. it was going. And so, yeah, it was a really cool moment. And then I got to UWM and honestly, my first two years, I was terrible. I actually got to a point where I wanted to transfer, quit because I just wasn't having fun. Mm. I was hanging around. We had some teammates that, you know, I I don't want to call them a bad influence, but the vibe of the UWM baseball program at that time was not good. Mm. I want to say it was our recruiting class that changed it. Junior and senior seasons, everything turned around. And we ended up making the NCAA tournament my junior year, ended up having a super successful last two years at UWM. And so that earned uh, me the chance to sign a contract with Milwaukee Brewers. Mm. Here's where the story kind of goes sideways, Colleen, is what made me successful in high school. And this is a lesson for everybody listening in was all the work I put in off the field. I didn't throw hard. I told you I was five foot nine. I had no measurements that said this dude is going to be a major league pitcher. But all the work in I put on off the field, the habits, the rituals, the weight room, that's what made me successful. Mm -hmm. And the problem was when I got to pro baseball and found myself in the Milwaukee Brewers organization, I kind of got away from all that. Mm -hmm. Instead of wanting to stand out like I did in high school and later on in college, I just wanted to fit in. I was looking at all the guys I was playing with and against who went to much larger colleges, right? LSU, Texas, Ole Miss, some guys who signed for bonuses in the seven figures. And I didn't see myself as equal to them. Yeah. And so all these limiting mindset beliefs impacted my career. And you talked about one story, I'll share it. This definitely was like, it defined my pro baseball career. I was pitching for the Helena Brewers up in Helena, Montana. And it was our first trip. We were playing the Missoula Osprey, which is over in Missoula, Montana. And that night, I remember the game because I was a relief pitcher. I was not a starting pitcher. And I happened to come in really early that game. Our starting pitcher had a terrible game. And so I jog into the mound, grab the ball from the manager, and I start warming up like a relief pitcher would when they're brought into a game. And what happened was, as I'm warming up, I'm about to face, by the way, the number one prospect in the Diamondbacks organization. So I should be jacked up, right? (laughs) As I start warming up on the mound, the crowd starts chanting. Mm -mm. And little by little, as I'm warming up, the chanting is getting louder and louder and louder. And I can now at some point actually hear what they're saying. What they're chanting at me is, how can you pitch when you're five foot six? Oh, Andy. Now, I'm five foot nine for everybody who's listening. But (laughs) the point was this. I have 5,000 people telling me I don't fit. 
right? In, in, yeah. a, in, in, yeah. a, in a way. Yeah. And I let that get to me. Instead of like using that as fuel to be like, you know what? I'm going to prove everybody in this stadium wrong. That was the kind of mentality I had. I let that stuff get to me. The judgment, the doubt, the fear of failure, all that stuff. And that's why my pro baseball career lasted as short as it did. It wasn't talent. It wasn't skill. It was simply my mindset. Wow. But also to back up a little bit, that mindset was creeping in during college sometimes, right? Because you said the first two years was kind of difficult. So was the mindset something that you were the man in high school and then started to deteriorate? As you yeah, that's up. a really oh, that's a really good point. And this is probably you said I know you said you have athletes who listen in. Yeah. Um, we all were probably hometown heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, you were probably the you were the man. You were the man, the woman, the most talented yeah. athlete on the team. That's why you're playing college, whether it's division one, division yeah. two, division three. But when you get to college, guess what? They're all good. Yeah. And I saw that, I saw a lot of very talented teammates fizzle out who were much more talented than me Mm. because of that. They came from that small town where everybody put them up on this pedestal. And now you're in college and no one gives a shit. Wow. Yeah. And so in college, for me, it was a combination of early on surrounding myself with the wrong people, bad influences, and that fear of like, holy crap, this is the next level. And everybody is good. And everybody is good. Like for a pitcher back in high school, you probably had to worry about the guy batting second, third, and fourth, maybe fifth. That was about it. Mm-hmm. College one through nine. Mm. And so that, yeah, it's, there's so many, I'm glad and you And then pro that ball, up. like. And here's the other reason. I know this isn't <laughs> on the topic of maybe mindset, but yeah. why so many athletes fizzle out in college in my belief is think about high school. Everything's organized and routine for you. Go to school, first class is at 745. You go to school till 2.30, 3 o'clock. You go right to practice or a game. You come home, do homework, go to bed, right? Mm-hmm college. Uh-uh. You may not have class. I, I rarely had class on Fridays. Yeah. You now have to manage your time. You have to be an and, adult. And oh, by the way, for a lot of those guys and women, they discover alcohol for the first mm-hmm. time. That inability to manage your habits and time in college, I think is why so many perceived good athletes just phase out. I wish there was a course in college for athletes to be able to go to about mindset. Maybe you can get on that. I, you just gave me an idea. Good. You should. Give me six months, everybody listening in, there's going to be a course on mindset for college athletes. Because you're right, it is, well, number one with COVID, like what college athletes are going through right now is unprecedented. Uh, But the second thing to your point, I think this is why you see this all the time, mainly like use college football, for example. They have so many, like these kids are rated all the way back to like eighth and ninth grade Mm -hmm. as recruits, right? But how many times these five-star recruits go to some school and they're not even that good? It's because when they get there, I think they're going, holy crap, everybody's good. And it's the difference between the three-star athlete in high school that ends up excelling in college versus the five-star absolute stud in high school that fizzles out in college is mindset. And I, and I think mindset needs to be something for the kids to be taught younger because as adults, it's we now have to go back in time and fix the problems and fix our shortcomings to be able to then succeed in our careers or succeed in our relationships or family life. But it's always fixing the back end problem where if we just taught them in 
high school or junior high about mindset and especially now with social media too. I'm sure everybody has that same type of mindset of comparing themselves now more than ever, really. You know, you went to college, you finally saw those other kids throwing harder, running faster, hitting the ball harder, whatever the case was. But now kids in high school, they're watching their competition on social media and they're probably already in their head. And then they could have performed to an extent for those recruiters that are sitting in the stands. But now all of a sudden they saw, you know, Joe Smith in Texas throws harder and he was somebody else that they were looking at. They're in their head. So if you can get on that class, all for it. You should just, you should go to schools, junior highs, high schools, colleges. Come on. Keynote speaker. Get out of here. And here's to your point though. It's never been easier to be seen as a high school athlete than it is today with social mm-hmm. media, but it's also never been easier to create limiting mindset beliefs, right? Because the, here, think about athletes. This is one thing I always talk about with athletes transitioning into the business world. We come from health insurance industry, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's insurance, finance, any sales role, athletes are always like, oh, I want an athlete as one of my sales reps, right? Because they think about the discipline, the hard work, right? Mm-hmm. The problem, though, that I see often with athletes in sales positions or in the business world is think about what we went through as athletes. I'll, I'll use my pro baseball career as a perfect example. When I got the pro ball, it was the first time I realized I now have baseball's now my job. Yeah. I'm getting paid by somebody to play at my best. But what's also unique about it is you're actually competing with your own teammates because in the minor league system, everybody's trying to get promoted. Mm-hmm. The coaches are trying to get promoted. The umpires are trying to get promoted. Oh, everybody is literally trying to get promoted, right? So every day you are judged against your teammates. Right. And in sports, you are literally judged by stats. My point is that I think leads a lot of athletes when the sports is over and they're now in the business world, that is something that impacts them negatively. I know it did me. That constant comparison, constant judgment, and the constant desire for the next thing. You never allow yourself to be happy where you are because you're always chasing the next thing. You're chasing the numbers. Ouch. I never even thought of it that way. So it is great to have an advisor in some senses wanting to work with you or be on your side. But as that advisor in the role, it's like this constant battle internally that nothing is ever good enough. The grass is always going to be greener somewhere else. Look at now. Let's take what I just said and translate it into the health insurance industry, right? Mm -hmm. Social media made our world very small. Everybody acts like they know everybody. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden now you can go on social media and talk all about your wins. And all of a sudden, it creates these celebrities within the health insurance. And most of them, now all of a sudden, these brokers are constantly comparing themselves to the other brokers out there. So true. And instead of just being happy, you've got uh, a half a million dollar book of business, or whatever it is, it's never good enough. Because mm-hmm. Johnny over there has a million. Mm. I mean, and you only used to see it when you went to conferences, and it doesn't even have to be in health insurance. It's any industry. Insert any any industry into what I just said. Yep. Yeah. So let's go into that. You went from baseball to then in the insurance. What went there? Like, how did that even happen? So I actually, I didn't go right into insurance. I actually went into financial planning. Mm -hmm. I lasted all of 15 months because one, I quickly realized I just don't like sitting at kitchen tables at 6 p.m. at night trying to get some somebody to invest their money with me. Mm. But I also had so many limiting beliefs, like I, I literally had no chance to succeed. And so, yeah, quickly I found myself in the insurance world through the advice of a buddy. And again, sales, right? I don't mm-hmm. care if you're selling life, disability, health, property cash, whatever, you're in sales. And early on, I would tell you, Colleen, for at least the first 10 years of my career, 
I sucked because it was all the same limiting beliefs. I didn't learn my lesson from pro ball yet. Mm. So all the same limiting beliefs, fear of judgment, fear of failure. Sorry, I got to fly. Like, I literally have been watching that. Who is I was that? like, Pence? are you Pence? on the debate right now? I was just saying, is that Pence who had the fly dominate him? <laughs> I have a fly dominating me right now. Um, but all those same limiting beliefs, fear of judgment, fear of failure, constantly comparing my, to my own teammates in my sales district, it kept me in this negative place where I was never happy, always driving for more, never mm-hmm. satisfied, but my results always sucked. So For 10 years, my, that's a long time. Because I, I, I never, and then let me restate something. One thing I often don't talk about is, remember what I said about my freshman and sophomore year at mm-hmm. UWM? I also surrounded myself with the wrong people. At that mm-hmm. time in my life, I also was not into personal development. I wasn't improving my mind. I was surrounding myself with the wrong people. And I got in heavy into Ironman triathlons. Wow. I realized today, not because I truly wanted to, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. But I think it satisfied my athletic desire because there were so many other parts of my life that sucked. Yeah. And I think you needed that, you know, I could do this and win again type I of needed a, I needed a win needed in a life. Win. I needed yeah. a win in life. Yep. All right. So you're surrounding yourself by the wrong people. Was it at a specific company? No, it was just friends. Uh-huh. Tribe. Yeah. Um, made a lot of bad decisions. Uh, I, I like to refer my, what is it, of 2007 to 2010, my lost years. <laughs> yeah, I we just, all have lost Years. Yeah, it, it, because <laughs> the, the guy I was, the person I was compared to who I am today, I mean, I again, I was just making bad decisions, not happy with my job. I almost quit the health insurance industry at that mm. time because I just hated it so much. And yeah, just a lot of bad things going on. Honestly, when people ask, like, what turned it around? Two things turned around. It's interesting. I did quit that job in 2010. I had a really bad car accident three months before that. Mm. And at the time, my girlfriend broke up with me. So here was my string of events. April 2011. So uh, no, 2010. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. I got 2011 car accident. May of 2010, girlfriend breaks up with me. Quit my job July of 2011. Mm. So like within three months, all that happened. And I remember my rock people, I tell people when I tell the story, I think the accident was the rock bottom moment. It wasn't. I remember a day before I quit the insurance agency I was with literally feeling paralyzed at my desk. I could not work. Mm. I got up, left, drove out to my parents' house, which was like 20 minutes away, sat on the deck of their pool for three hours and literally just stared. (gasps) I couldn't do anything. Now, the moment that it changed is when I quit, what happened was another insurance agency in the area came looking for me. I met Amy, who I'm with today. All that happened within a month. Mm. And literally those two shifts, because here's what happened. I now love my job. I had good people in my life mm-hmm. and it all changed from there. I think so that's I, so important. It's it's where you're at and who you surround yourself with is the key common core of how you then live your life. Yep. Not just what you the work that you do inside because that is huge too. But if it doesn't start with the home base or the surrounding atmosphere, the same way it did with your college career, it gets in your head. And no matter how athletic and or how good maybe you were at insurance, because they don't come looking for you to you know hire you at another agency if you're not good at what you do. Mm-hmm. So you were producing, I'm sure, but you were just not happy. So Correct. once you started to surround yourself with the right people, then life took off for you. What happened? Yeah, I would say you know what happened was. Was that job I had uh, with that uh, ins- uh, consulting firm? They were definitely more of a consulting firm than just uh, what I would define as an insurance agency. But that the owner of that agency, Dan Burkwell, was my first true mentor. Mm. Um, just a wise old soul. 
uh, type of guy that's going to hold your butt accountable. And um, one, having that mentorship of learning new parts of the business was huge, but just mentorship of life, having Amy in my life. And the real change occurred, honestly, when I left that job. Here's why. We moved to Colorado. So in May of 2014, Amy and I made the decision to come out here. We wanted to be out here. And it, this is where everything changed. And it literally is the moment that is the reason I am where I am today, Colleen, is when I moved out here, I went to work for a local insurance agency and I was hired as their only sales producer. They literally had not had a producer before me. It was just account executives that they had hoped sell stuff once in a while. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't have any kind of marketing whatsoever. They've been around for 30 years. Didn't need it. Yeah, they're a small mom and pop shop. But I'm now in a market no one knows who the hell I am. Mm. The Andy and Erie brand had to start growing right there. But the first step in growing your brand is growing you. And so I went to work deep into personal development. Started really following a guy that some some may know, Darren Hardy. Never met the man, but he was my next mentor. I bought some courses, read his books, just listened to him, listened to him, listened to him. And then I said, I've got to have a brand here. I've got to, I've got to stand out from the competition. So who the heck am I going after? What's my message? How am I sharing that message far and wide? Mm-hmm. And over the last six years since, it's just been a constant progression of building the brand, building the message, all the way to today, sitting here as a coach to insurance and financial advisors, helping them do the same thing I did. What made you flip and say, I no longer want to be that advisor. I now want to coach advisors on how to brand themselves in that insurance world or any world, really. Great question. Um, I think what happened was two years ago, I was asked to coach for a speaker's academy for insurance brokers. Mm -hmm. So went there, provided some coaching and guidance to them. And I had several of them say like, dude, what are you doing in our industry? Like you need to be coaching. Like this is your gift. And I put that on the back burner because here's why I didn't want to do it at first. And this is another limiting belief. I have not sold the most insurance in this industry. So why should I coach? Mm, That's some BS on it. It is, right? It's a limiting belief, but I think a lot of coaches have. Anybody who coaches other people, imposter syndrome sets in at some point. Oh, I just touched on that the other day in an episode. Yep. And I put it on the back burner for a while. Well, then I had some advisors start to reach out to me and help me with some keynote talks they were giving. Because I, you know, I do a lot of speaking in the industry. And so I helped them there and I got paid for it. I'm like, oh, wow. Like teaching somebody how to write a keynote or give a good keynote, I can do in my sleep. Mm. And I get paid for that. That's really cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and then I just slowly built the coaching slowly, slowly, slowly until March of 19 last year when I'm like, screw it, I'm going for it. And I legitimately built the coaching company to where I am today. And what I do today is I help insurance and financial advisors crush the off the field abilities, the off the field tools, which is habits, time management, mindset, so they can dominate on it, which is growing the brand, knowing exactly who you're going after, knowing exactly what you're saying to them and sharing that message far and wide. Yeah. That's what's, that's what's missing in the industry for both, Mm -hmm. whether you're financial or insurance, too many people that are supposed to be selling, nobody knows about them. No. How are you going to win today when we all have to be online, social, and nobody knows about you? Yeah. So I, I help them change that. Well, I think it's it's such a needed market right now for coaches like you. So it's not coaches. I love coaches. I do. I have coaches myself. Some of my dearest friends are coaches. They hold you accountable. They're the greatest people just because they have this different, you guys have this different aura about you of just like, tell me what I need to know for the quick three seconds to tell me how to switch Mm -hmm. this mind shift. And that's sometimes what you need, but in the industry, and it's not even just insurance and finance, it's those industries that business mentality where it's, I don't know, it could be a CPA. It could be anything that's quote unquote boring, like insurance and financial industries. 
that everybody needs a coach because you need to build your brand. And how do you build a brand on the insurance world? Because that is boring as all hell. What did we talk about? Andy has his own podcast and we'll touch on that. (laughs) So we talked on your podcast last week, how we're not talking about insurance. We're not talking about when we're building a brand, you're talking about yourself. You're, you're getting deep into the conversation of what makes you, you, what makes Andy, Andy is his baseball background, his insurance career, and then his ability to take his lessons in life and then use that to then coach people to be able to find their story. I think that is so inspiring because people like you, like I said, we need you guys because you need to help us pull out the stories within us to be able to resonate with our clients. It's such well, a huge And market. there's a couple of things I want to say about that. Number one, with the coaching, Colleen, I did struggle at first because I'm like, there's coaches who will say, you know, go through my system and you'll 3X your, 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 3X your, your revenue in six months, right? Yeah. And I'm like, my, my, what I teach doesn't do that. It's a long-term strategy. So like, if you want silver bullets, don't hire me. Like, I'm not your guy. Number two, everything I coach, you can get for free online. But here's why you need a coach. You don't have the discipline or the accountability to actually do it. And the third thing that you said, and I'm so glad you said that is, this is any advice for anybody looking to become a coach at some point. If you have that gift, as you called it, or that aura to help somebody take where they are today, create the clarity for them of what they should be doing or could be doing, because that clarity breeds confidence. And once they are clear and confident, guess what? You now will take action. I can't guarantee you you're going to 3X your revenue in six months by taking action, but just being confident about the action you're taking is the win. Now, think about our industry. One of the biggest mistakes I see any insurance agency, and if you're one listening in, it might be you, is they don't let their producers be brands. Yes. They think that's that that logo on the business card sells the business. It doesn't. Yeah. Humans buy from humans. So the reason you want to build a brand is you want people to fall in love with you so much you guilt them into doing business with you. Yeah. How do you guilt them into doing business with you? You bring more value than anybody else. When you bring them into your life. Exactly. And so I use the analogy all the time going back to sports world. Could we argue most professional athletes have a personal brand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? So why do teams pay them millions of dollars in a, with a paycheck? It's because they put asses in the seats and wins on the board. The same is true with sales producers, whether it's insurance or any other industry. Let them be brands. Let them stand out in the market. And I guarantee your business will benefit from it. Yeah, I love that point. And also, when they're then putting themselves forward, people don't like to post the bad stuff. They don't like to post the failures and, the, and everything. They want to post something that's good. So it will also drive them to want to do self-investment, to want that self-help so that they can post about what they're learning or what they're doing or what they failed on and how they looked at it at the positive side. So all of a sudden it'll trickle in on the back end of things into the business because their mindset on their personal side is now healthier. That's exactly why I had you on the bullpen sessions podcast, Colleen, is because when I think of our of the health insurance industry, you're one who's willing to get online on social media and share weaknesses or vulnerability mm-hmm. because people want to see it. It's, it's okay to share it. And I think, again, using the health insurance industry as an example, so many producers are too afraid to do that because God forbid I take my shield of armor off, my prospects will never buy from me. Wrong. It's 2020. Yeah. Be human. People mm-hmm. want see, People want you to be human. 
I mean, you could be laying concrete down and the same applies to you. Exactly. Your clients are going to want the same level of human approach as they buy from their cupcake lady that they're scrolling through on Instagram versus their concrete guy. Yep. They want to see the way that you got, not just the everyday day-to-day watching the, I don't know, concrete being poured, right? Boring stuff, but show the back end of it. Show the family, show the kids helping out, show the little things like that. You don't have to get too personal, but somehow showing out there, I mean, for me, it's grown. I keep saying it, people that I never thought I would ever have connections with now all of a sudden are coming out of the woodworks and you're just having true and deep and honest conversations with them instead of the sheltered, oh, what do you do for a living type of conversation? Because that gets boring, especially now. Nobody wants to hear that anymore. So, And it's the number one reason early in my sales career, Colleen, it's just like one big circle of life here. It's probably one of the biggest reasons I wasn't winning much business is because all through the process of getting to know my prospect, I never shared my life with them. Mm, yeah, I agree. I always with that. tried to keep it here, right? Surface level. And uh, no, no wonder I didn't win much business because they don't even know me. It's true. And I think LinkedIn's getting a little bit um, more relaxed on how business oriented it is. So it is, I mean, turning more into like the Facebook world, the Instagram world, it is okay to post a little bit more of the back end things. You're not just in a suit and tie. You can post a little bit more of real life because not everybody walks around talking the way that they talk when they post on LinkedIn. You're like, okay. Gary V, I think said it best. LinkedIn today is where Facebook was like 2015. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Back when it was nice to be on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So here's what I want to touch on because I think it's been a theme of our entire conversation and something truly that I could say I'm struggling with that I've admitted is that imposter syndrome. I mean, you had imposter syndrome when you came into college ball and then when you got into pro ball, it hit you like a ton of bricks and then in the insurance world and then in the speaker world and I could say it too. I go through imposter syndrome every step of the way. I mean, I was 22 when I started the insurance world. I was a young girl, insurance world and you're going to all these conferences and you feel like the tiniest little fly on the wall because all of these producers, like you were saying, they're making it and they are selling and they're killing it. And you're sitting there like, can I ever get to that level? Can I ever be like them? And then you start to become successful and then you start to become in the in crowd and then you, you know, you find your way a little bit. But now in the podcast world, you, I feel like an imposter. You know, what are people going to really listen to me about type yeah. of thing? So yeah. what? how do you go about imposter syndrome and yeah. getting that belief out of your brain? Good question. I'd say whether it's insurance, podcasting, construction, whatever you're in, right? A couple of things I think that have helped me is think about your, your situation, Colleen. You not only came in at age 22, but you came into industry where you are a minority, right? We have very, not enough women in, in, the, in the insurance industry whatsoever. What I tell people is with imposter syndrome, if you're struggling with it, number one, stop comparing. Why? Most people are full of shit. It's easy, especially with social media. So damn true. It's easy to think people are all killing it. Yeah. The family that hates each other goes on vacation and gets the perfect photo. So it looks like they're having the perfect vacation. That's life today. So one, when you're looking at your peers and they're all spouting out here, here's what, and I just did a podcast. We're talking on what, October 9th, my Friday bullpen session podcast that went out today talks about what's the definition between a professional and an amateur. True professionals, when they win, they don't spout to the world. So those that have to tell the world 
world, how great they are, probably are full of shit. Mm. Number two, if you can help somebody who is not at the same level you're at. So if you're a coach, an advisor, whatever, if the person you are helping is even a step or two behind you, you're not an imposter. Mm. If you're helping people who's not quite at the level you've attained, there's always somebody not quite at the level you've obtained, right? You are not an imposter syndrome. You're, you're, not, you're, you're not an imposter. You are bringing value. The last thing I will say is whether it's podcasting, social media, out there selling what you have or what you bring, if you are truly doing it from the heart, you can never be an imposter. Mm-hmm. I don't care Bad. how talented or not you are, if you're truly doing it from, with good intentions and from the heart, you can never be an imposter. And I'll, I'll come out and say it. When I look at the insurance, financial planning worlds, there's a lot of people in it for the money. They don't care what they sell. They don't care how they sell it. That to me is where imposter can expose itself. But if you are doing it truly to help people, you love what you do. It comes from the heart. What you say on social media comes from the heart. You can never be an imposter. Yeah, because you're living your truth. Exactly. All right. I'll think about that the next time my palms are sweating. (laughs) And and, and with advising, uh, again, I know- this is, sounds like it's specific to, to health insurance advisors, but think about every organization you get the chance to work with from the employer side. You could argue every single one of them is not at the level of knowledge you are at with, when it comes to what you do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can never be an imposter. And you start to build that confidence over time. You know, I knew nothing, literally nothing. I say it all the time. I was a hairstylist before I started. So I literally didn't even know what health insurance could do for people. So when I got into the industry, you just kind of teach yourself and you learn the ways and you're going to fail. You are going to fall flat on your damn face. And love failure. Yeah. And admit to your failures. I think clients and people in general respect people so much more when they can say, hey, I was wrong there. I made a mistake. Let me try to fix it. instead of blaming it on other people or pushing the blame off. So when you're starting any type of new job, any type of new career, either one, tell them you don't know the answer, but you'll get back to them. But if you do, for some reason, give them the wrong, incorrect information, apologize, own up to it. Don't try to blame other people and roll with it because that'll teach you too. You know, something I I, want to share this right now because I think it'll bring a ton of value to the listeners, Colleen. You asked a couple of questions like, when did it change, right? When did everything flip? Another time it flipped for me, and this was when I knew I wanted to start the coaching business. But at the time I was still a W2 employee. One of the best things I have ever done in my life is I made it a morning habit that after I grab my cup of coffee, jump in my ice cold shower, that I go to YouTube and watch Gary Vaynerchuk videos. Mm-hmm. Some people love him. Some people hate him. I love the guy. But every morning for the last two years, I watch Gary V videos. And you know what he has taught me, even though I've never met the man, love failure. Don't give a shit what anybody else thinks about you and just keep taking action every single day. It's, it's that a, simple. Yeah, it's and, so and the last one, maybe the most important, act as if everything's your fault. Oh, that one's so true. Absolutely. Yeah. You and, screw up for a client mm-hmm. and immediately come and out you and will. say, you know what? You will. And everybody on this <laughs> listening in will. <laughs> Come out right away and admit it. That might be your fault. You're going to fix it. That right there will gain so much respect from that client versus you trying to come up with some far-fetched story of why it happened. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with their, any type of industry when you're dealing with the public, you, yep. you're going to make a mistake at some point, just you know, dust it off and you'll learn from it and grow from yep. it. So the imposter syndrome, it creeps in. But like I said on the last episode, tell it to shove it and keep going because at the end of the day, 
it's you against you. That's what yeah. happens. Everybody exactly. else's opinion of you, how big you're going to get, how much money you're going to get, that's all ego. So at the end of the day, it's you laying down or waking up with yourself and your mind. And like Andy said, it's how you get on in the morning. What do you put into your brain? What do you put into yeah. your ears? What do you put into your mind? Do you take that time to meditate in the morning? Do you take the time to look, listen to motivational music? Or do you just put fun music on to dance to, to put you in a good mood? Set your mood for the day, set your intentions. And then hopefully the day goes as mapped out. If it veers off course, roll with it. It's fine. So Andy, any books, any podcasts, anything that you would recommend for people other than Gary Vee to get their mind right? Yeah, definitely the Bullpen Session podcast. Of course. Andy has (laughs) one of the best podcasts out there. And he doesn't just talk about insurance. He doesn't talk about that. He's he's all about mindset as well. I have an interview that comes out every Tuesday. And then it's myself talking on Fridays. And Tuesday is all about talking with abundance mindset people. And that's kind of the one rule to come on the podcast on Fridays. I take, I usually tie in my career in baseball and the lessons I learned and how you tie them into business and life. Um, so that's, but books wise, Colleen, um, here's another one. I recommend a couple of podcasts. He, this guy's a mentor of mine, Chris Harder. He's got a podcast called for the love of money. Mm. It is the perfect podcast for anybody who might have limiting beliefs around money. Like I did great, great podcast books. By far, if you want to up-level your productivity, get the book, The One Thing. Hmm, I never even heard of that. I'm going to go get that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it changed my career. Um, and then two other books I've read late, recently that are more a little woo-woo, maybe a little scientific. All of my arrow. But that for arrow. a mindset, Allie. two of the best books I've ever read, Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza hmm. and The Code of the Extraordinary Mind by Vishen Lakiani. Those two books about the mindset will blow your mind. And it's actually really creepy. Dr. Joe Dispenza wrote the book, uh, Becoming Supernatural in 2017. In his last chapter, he pretty much predicts what's happening right now. Oh, that's my woo-woo type of stuff. I like that stuff. And Makes so, you think and that yeah, our minds and, are bigger than we give and them And the last thing, to. if I can say this, Colleen, is um, I truly believe this is going to be the craziest holidays we've ever experienced, mm-hmm. right? People are already struggling with habits and ma- time management and think about habits in, during the holidays, especially with what you shove in your mouth. Yeah. This is going to be one of the most interesting holidays we've ever experienced. So what I wanted to do to help, whether you're a young athlete listening in, an insurance broker, I don't care who you are, I'm actually going to be doing a 10-day challenge where it's going to be all focused on daily habits, time management, and positive mindset. 10 days leading right up to Thanksgiving. Anybody wants to join that, all they have to do is text the word challenge to my text community, which is 414-622-1462. So I did want to say that because I want to get as many people in this challenge as I can. I'll do Um, it. There's going to be some cool prizes coming out the backside for the winners. And um, so I'm actually, we're going to give some cash away and an interview on the podcast. So anybody that wants to join challenge to 414-622-1462, it's going to be a fun 10 day challenge to get people right. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I want to, I want to get people going into the holidays with the right mindset, have their habits locked in and be better with managing. Any cost to it? Nope. It's a free, absolutely free challenge. No brainer. If you're listening to this, just sign up for it. Why not challenge yourself, challenge your mind go into the holidays they could get crazy they're gonna be crazy try it out we'll see how yep. it works i'll be on it for sure where could everybody find you andy yeah easiest way is linkedin uh definitely connect with me there um my instagram and i'm sure you'll put this in the show notes yeah, instagram absolutely. or linkedin and then anybody can come check out the bullpen sessions podcast or my website andyneary.com perfect go run and check them out andy is a wealth of knowledge i'm so grateful that you were here with us today thank you for your time yeah, you. and this sharing your story um and i'll catch up with you soon and hope Hopefully it won't be at a conference with throwing a baseball across and embarrassing me in front of everybody. 
As always, my friend, I hope you got some great value and content in today's conversation with Andy. I hope you took a ton of notes and run and look at the books he was talking about. Go check him out on his Instagram page. Link up with him on LinkedIn. He has a ton of great content every single day. Next week, we're back to this you and me chit-chatting about, well, a valuable lesson I've learned, which maybe you can relate to and grow with me on. Always remember, nobody can stop you, friend. And I'm going to